who are the influences, what influences the times that are reflected in the music. The sound is a choice. And then we just have to acknowledge that there's a range of sounds that are out there that we might not have been giving a highlight before. Welcome to a Black Music Appreciation Podcast. On this show, we explore people's journeys through hip-hop, growing up in the 90s and into adulthood. We gush over the times in hip-hop we can't get enough of. We love on the culture, the state that it's been in, and what it's becoming. Discussing struggles with not always being loved back by a culture that we love so dearly. We get into those same things with R&B. We look over hip-hop and R&B and where they often meet. And we try to explain why we fell in love with both. We explain why we feel the culture is in good hands. This show is for music enthusiasts who want to connect their story to an ongoing rich history of innovation and resilience. I'm Tam C, and you are listening to a Black Music Appreciation Podcast. So today I want to talk about something I saw last night that I had a feeling might provoke me to be more angry than I actually ended up, which I'm happy about. Um, because I always feel like I have to defend the music and the people that like to make the music they like to make. I just think it's very interesting uh, when we sometimes focus in on certain people and not look at the thing from the full spectrum. So the video... Uh, that I saw yesterday it's made by someone that I uh, enjoy watching their content and they were talking about how the girls of today don't make the same kind of music or they said that the girls of today don't sing the same and the main thing that they boiled it down to was practice and I think where we fall short in that conversation is that there are centuries of music that exists outside of the time period that we have recorded audio history. Music in general is as old as time, whether it's with just nature, birds, the way that you hear water or like just the way that you hear different echoes and things like music has always existed. Music has evolved over the years, but music has always had a spectrum of sounds. There's always been the more boisterous music. And then there's been the more stripped and laid back kind of sounds. Neither one is wrong. It's all about preference. And one person can make all of those kinds of music and one person can enjoy all of, all of those kinds of musics. So I just having a very hard time understanding why people are fixated on if they don't like it coming from one person, there is other places you can go. But another thing that I didn't quite understand when watching the video was they were talking about how back in the day in schools, there was more programs available for people 
to do things that involved music. One, I wanted to see more black kids talk about this that were from that era. There was one black person that talked about this, but I don't know if that was the norm for black students. Especially when you consider how a lot of our elders didn't necessarily go through school past middle school age range. A lot of people didn't even finish eighth grade. And so I just think it was interesting that they brought that up because I'm like, I'm pretty sure music was not the main focus in the schools. They talked about how when Reagan got into office, a lot of the things got cut. And I'm like, okay, all of those things are true, but I also just don't know how that affected black people. I would have liked to, I know that would have been a lot more to investigate and that's not really what the video was supposed to be about. But for me to get a better understanding of why it is the black girls, especially because that's really who people are looking at to make this type of music that they make now that doesn't necessarily go with the music that they remember hearing. I I just would have, I would have been interested for context purposes how much back in the day our elders were exposed to music education because music education is expensive just in general because having access to an instrument can be expensive and so I just felt like some of the things were overlooked to make the sake of an argument but what I thought was interesting was the fact that they talked about practice being the main reason why people don't make the kind of don't make the kind of vocal choices that they make today I guess is the best way to put it what I think is interesting is the idea was completely ignored that it could be a choice in why they artistically don't want to make music that sounds like what we've already heard on record there's already been a lot of the music that people are asking for people are trying to do something different there is more than one way to make music and I think it's interesting that choice was not brought up and why the girls sound different today than they did back in the day but also the idea that The girls actually sound different today than they did back in the day when you consider that there's a wide range of types of music. And so even though what's mainstream now might not have been considered what was mainstream back then as far as sounds and in comparison, the sounds that are mainstream now make it more accessible for the girls that were not necessarily treated like they could sing a lot of people try to make it seem like these girls can't sing and they made a point in the video to say that it's not it's not that the music doesn't sound good today but the music definitely does sound different I think the confusion for a lot of people is why these girls are getting attention in the limelight when those girls would have been put in the background before I just think it's interesting that people don't consider that as much as it is a choice for the people that make the music to sound like that, it is also a choice of the listener to listen to those songs. And maybe there's a reason the listener enjoys that music. 
so I wrote a few things down so that I could keep up. Practice is simply not enough to explain the change in the sound of new singers. So the next thing I have wrote is we have to ask ourselves, what are we practicing? Because practice, we all know, does not make perfect. You can practice to do something wrong hundreds of times and still be wrong. Like, If you practice to make chocolate chip cookies without using certain ingredients, you will not have the end result be chocolate chip cookies. It will be your attempt at making chocolate chip cookies. In general, it's just, there's an order to things. And so, no, practice does not make perfect. You can do something wrong all the time and practice it wrong. I think that's where training comes in. But the question isn't, so much about the practice as much as what it is that we're practicing and what it is that the end result we are asking for. Like, I think the question is, are we hitting the goal of what it is that they set out to do with the music? And I think for a lot of them, they are exactly doing what they had set out to do with making the music. I think people think it's like some type of setback that we like the kinds of sounds that we like. And so I just think it's interesting that the sound isn't considered a choice as well as asking ourselves what the influence is that we're going for and then seeing what the end goal is. Because at the end of the day, any artist is pulling from what it is that they already like and then creating something new. They're never going to sound just like the person that they look up to. But the goal is to make something that they're proud of that also reflects those influences. So, and then when you see them actually attain what it is that they were trying to go for, but it's them. Like, that's what makes artists... That's what makes artists individual. Well, individuals are individual regardless, but I think what makes artists so different is the fact that they are pulling inspiration from different places and then they become their own thing. That's how we get a D'Angelo who might have pulled influences from Prince and then pulled influences from church and rock music and all of these different things that get him And then he's also pulling from hip hop and just all these different things that became D'Angelo. And then other people can pull from D'Angelo and then create their own things. And I think that's just the beautiful thing about music. When you look at like Stevie Wonder back in the day when he first started his big, one of his big inspirations was Ray Charles. But besides Ray Charles, there were still other influences that helped make Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder. And then Stevie Wonder then becomes an influence for other people, even though they might not necessarily know who his influences were. I think that's just the beautiful thing about art and history in general. You always find a way to connect those dots. And then that just creates the ongoing flow of connection with time, I guess. But what is very interesting is 
the idea that we are ignoring what the influences are. One of the things that they brought up as far as influence goes is that classical music and gospel music had very strong ties. I don't know if if that's accurate. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's all about interpretation, right? And perspective. Because everyone across the country did not listen to the same kind of music. And when I say listen, I just mean like participate in the same kind of music. We cannot simply say that our influence started once we got to this country. Or as far as the diaspora goes, when we got to different parts of the world after the slave trade. It doesn't really make sense. We have a history that starts centuries before we get to the continent of the North and South Americas. It does like, that's just confusing to me. It's confusing to me when we talk about certain things, but we, we just kind of, we kind of try to make it a cut and dry type of situation. It's not simplified it's not that simplified they they tried to make the ties to classical and gospel music as if those are direct results of each other I don't think that's how it worked yes there could have been times where it sounded like classical music and when I say classical music I don't even like saying that because every creed of people has had a type of traditional music so when we talk when they talked about classical music they're talking about european classical music but there's more than one classic for a culture so i thought that was interesting that they even brought that up because i don't know i think i think what part of it was when they brought that up was to make the ties of what it was that people were learning in schools but I'm still trying to understand fully or have a better understanding of like what black people had access to as far as education went just because they were trying to make it you know go back in time which is what you're supposed to do to make it make sense of how we got here today but I just thought it was very interesting that they were tying classical music and what they were training to do to what it is that how we get a, a, a I mean okay so part of it was classical music and like higher education and just education in schools and how music education was a huge part of schools the other part was the children were going to church and in church you could spend hours upon hours a week practicing songs or even if you weren't practicing songs if you were just a regular goer you were still participating in church more than likely at least three hours a week and if y'all happen to do a midweek thing then y'all might do hymns or something during the week no huge production because that's saved for Sunday because who got time for all that but the point was like you would spend hours upon hours learning things Music theory is not just 
dedicated to one culture. And so when we talk about what it is that's considered classical, you have to keep an open mind that classical does not just mean European old school, if we're going to call it that, traditional music. It's it's deeper than that. Because even though we might study people like Mozart and Bach and um, Beethoven, there were still other traditions before those people came to be. There's, I mean, and you learn about this in school sometimes, depending on, you know, who's your teacher's. But, or what classes you might take. But for the most part, there's still a long tradition of music that we don't know anything about. Imagine how much music is out there, just in general, that the world today does not know. And that's going to be the same thing is going to be said later on for what it is that we have today. Because you can't remember everything and it's up to people to do the discovery to find the things that have been recorded. But when talking about the practice and the hours and all of those things, we have to talk about influence. And as far as church music goes, black church specifically, there's so much that goes into what created those sounds and then how it is that we got a lot of other sounds out of it. And I just, I stuff like that can't be summed up in a 10 minute video. And I know it's not fair to try to make it seem like, Oh, well they just missed all these things. But I'm like, that's part of something I want to do more investigating as far as like just connecting the dots of history especially when it comes to us, I feel like one of the things that really pulls me in is the fact that I do enjoy learning about history and where it is that we come from, especially because there's so much about where it is that we come from that we don't know about. And a lot of the ways that I am able to make connections, especially I feel like coming up was through music, being able to like put a a pinpoint, like a timestamp, audio-wise on something to help bring context to a situation. But I just think it's very interesting that we're talking about the music that I guess you could say traditionally has been, at least like Western-wise in the U.S., I think specifically, that we have been propping up as if it's the original music, and it's not. It's not the only kind of music that's been out here. It's not the only kind of music that has a say, uh, a right to speak. It's it's one of many. And I just think that part is interesting because there's so many influences as to why it is that we get certain sounds. Yes, there is the fact that a lot of people do not go to churches. Yes, there is the fact that a lot of people do not uh, have art education in schools. I was one of those children that did not have art education in school when I first started. That was more so a thing I learned from going to church. But, and of course home, but I just think it's interesting that 
we still have a place outside of both of those institutions where it is that we have community gathering and we learn the sounds that we like outside of those two places. Because even if we're talking about our education in school, a lot of the time the art that you're learning about does not reflect what it is that you would participate in at home or enjoy outside of school. So, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting, the the bits about school, church. Yes, there is a connection between two of those things, but at the same time, it's not as if there is nobody making that type of music. If that's the type, the type of sound that you want to go for, there is definitely somebody out there who's making that music. The question is, are you looking for those people or are you expecting those people to come to you and be shown to you? Because if the answer is you're looking for those people, I can point you into a direction that you could hopefully find people that you enjoy. I mean, because art is, again, subjective. So even in the, the realm of church music, there's still hella people who make different types of music. That's, I think, the beauty in general of just art. Because, again, even though we're talking about church music and choirs and stuff, it's like, okay, even though I grew up in church... I didn't want to be listening to choir music outside of church. Church was the only place I wanted to hear choirs like that. Like there might be a time where it would be like, it might hit a little different to hear a choir like that. But for the most part, I didn't want to hear that outside of a church environment or a concert environment, you know, like that wasn't my go-to sound. Uh, When I was outside of church, I wanted to hear more of like, not ballads, but I wanted to hear like more individual singing opposed to hearing a large collective with huge dynamics. Just, I didn't want to hear that. So going to church and hearing that, it made church music feel special because I was like, oh, this is the only time I'm going to hear this. I'm not trying to hear that (laughs) outside of church. And I mean, whether or not, I mean, that's, that's just a person, uh, that's just a, uh, a preference for me. That was just a preference for me. I didn't want to hear that all the time. And I didn't want to hear all of my artists trying to sound like that. You know, like there would be times where, oh, you could be like, oh, that was kind of churchy, but no, I don't want to hear everybody trying to make the same thing I just heard at church. Like we can go to church for that. I don't want to hear that. And nothing wrong for people that make choir music. I'm just saying, in a lot of situations, I didn't want to hear that outside of church. There would still be songs that hit only because it was a choir. If they did it without one, it wouldn't feel right. But I'm just saying, like, for the most part, choir music wasn't for me. It wasn't for my mom either. Like, I remember her saying something along those lines. So it wasn't going to be something I heard. And my dad didn't really play that type of music anyway. So it was just like, we we were more of like the mellowed out type of, I guess, gospel listeners. Like there was times where gospel music was still very boisterous in our household, but it was, it was very few and far between that you might catch us listening to like a Juanita Bynum or a, a, I don't even know these people's names. That's the thing. Like 
the music I only heard it at church. I could shazam some songs, but like for the most part, those songs came out way before Shazam. There was like a song that was really fire. I think it's why I need to bite them, but it might not. She might have just covered it. But it was I Need You to Survive. That song only hits with a choir. I could not imagine someone really doing that song without one. I mean, you could, but at the same time, it's going to be in a group and then they're going to end up participating. So then you've essentially just got the same thing going on. But certain songs hit different with a large collective. And that's part of the fun. That's also part of the fun when you go to concerts and you have that same group participation where it's like, okay, we're about to be the choir. Like, that's fun. When I recently went to see JoJo, she did the first verse for SWV's week. And then she had the crowd do uh, the second verse, I think. Or maybe we did the, the chorus. I don't remember. No, I think we did the, whatever it was, we either was doing the, the lead vocals and then they was doing the background, her and Keisha Renee, and then we was doing the leads. But regardless, it was the collective effort. And it was just so cool to see like all of us participating in the love of music and the sounds and all of those things. And us really collectively sounding bad as fuck, even though I know for myself, the vocals ain't given the vocals don't be given but it sounds so good when y'all do it collectively don't you agree but anyway uh the point is like there's just certain environments where the collective hits better and stronger more impactful than singular effort but um yeah so i wrote down that the sound is a choice but when we consider about the sound, we have to consider the influences. So our influences range because we all grew up different. Two of the people that were mentioned in the video. Now, one thing is just artist development in general. Uh, and that was also brought up, artist development. But I think you can see a lot of the times the potential of where someone's trying to go and when someone has actually achieved what it is that they want. I think Summer Walker and SZA sound the way that they want. Someone that they used an early on example of who was still very much a teenager in the video that they showed was Normani. Normani was probably 16, 17 years old in the video. Like Normani did not, that wasn't a fair way to gauge Normani's voice. She has clearly grown since then vocally and artistically. I mean, it just wasn't, it, to me, it wasn't fair. But I'm also saying that as a fan of Normani. Um, but I think Summer Walker and SZA sound exactly how they want to sound. I don't think it's fair to make it seem like they're falling short of what it is that they're trying to do. And maybe that's not what they were trying to say. But that's just how it seems like the argument was like explaining why it is the like the argument was the reason they don't sound right or sound the way that others did back in the days because they don't practice I think they practiced to get to where they are now and I just I thought it was I thought it was kind of not fair especially when you consider the girls aren't the only ones singing like this. And I know they used, I think we just say the girls, you know, just, you know, like, I think 
I think they're picking on the girls because we're not expecting too much from men in general. But the guys are singing like this too. And even though there are guys out here that are singing, I don't know. I think we just hold women to a higher standard and I don't think it's fair. But there are girls that are singing like, like, okay, say for instance, now I don't know much about Kim Burrell. I actually didn't know anything about Kim Burrell till I found out like a lot of the controversy around like her crazy homophobic comments years ago. But I never grew up on Kim Burrell, so I didn't know anything about her. But I know a lot of people that I listened to were influenced by Kim Burrell. Like as far as vocals and stuff like that goes, whether it's Brandy, Fantasia, whoever. You know, I didn't grow up on the Clark sisters or, you know, like those type of, those names did not mean anything to me. I didn't know anything about them. And, uh, I think a lot of the people that are listening for others to sound like them are just looking in the wrong place. I don't know. Like, I think people are projecting, I think onto other people as far as what it is that they want them to sound like. I would never ask for her to try to sound like Kim Burrell or like Monica or like, you know, like it just doesn't make sense. I look at people and what it is that they're capable of doing and I expect them to do what it is that I know they're capable of doing. I'm not looking at... I'm not going to look at, like, for instance, I remember when Shaka Khan was at Aretha Franklin's funeral and people were like, oh, she's just not hitting the way that she could be. And it's like Shaka Khan did not grow up in a Baptist church. She grew up Catholic. Like, everyone does not grow up the same. Everyone doesn't have the same influences. So however it is that y'all think that she should be hitting these notes or carrying these songs, it's not going to be the same because we don't have the same upbringing. And so I just thought it was interesting. Like people are expecting certain ingredients to do other things. Like I would never go to a saxophone and be like, okay, now play like a guitar. No, for that, I would ask a good, like I would get a a guitar. Like I think people are asking the wrong things of people instead of going to the people that are making the things that they already want. And then if there's something that you're capable of doing and you want to see made, make it. And I know that's easier said than done, but that's normally how it is that you get a ball rolling. Because even if it's not the end result that you're trying to make, one, you get an appreciation for the people that are making the thing that it is that you actually want to see get done. But then two, you might grow and get better But again, practice does not make perfect. In a lot of cases, you might learn with practice, you're still not doing what exactly it is that you want, you know, to necessarily be your end result. But that does make an appreciation for what it is that you see others going out there doing and doing well. Like, that's the thing. Anybody can do it. But like, who's going to stick with it and actually make something shake from it because I think that's a really big deal the fact that they made it seem like these girls are just being taken off of the internet and handed careers 
And not to say that they were downplaying it that much. That it's like, oh, they're just getting handed careers. No, over the past 10, 15 years or so, artist development has completely gone out the window. They expect artists to have the development when they get signed. Like the budget for that is being taken out completely. And it's left for artists to figure it out on their own for the most part. But especially for the girls. And everyone's always trying to put people in boxes anyway. And so it's just like them trying to fight against the things so that they can make the type of art they want to make. That requires a lot. And I think one thing that I didn't think was fair was the fact that people are expecting the same abuse that happened back in the day to still be allowed from artists today. If someone puts up a boundary and says, okay, I'm not going to deal with this no more, then people take that as them being weak or them not being able to handle things properly. Like, no one should have to put up with the things that we've seen a lot of these girls go through. The guys, I, I see sometimes... I mean, in general, I think people just shouldn't have to deal with abuse and and being coerced into do something they don't want to do. But for the most part, I see it happening with the girls, especially like I really hate. Well, I mean, there's just so many things. But one of the things I really don't like is how the black girls are being treated. All of it just seems like there's there's always like a weird di- like. Different things can be true at the same time. There's a group of people that love these people. There's a group of people that feel like they own these people. And then there's a group of people that are just straight up bullies. Like, just do do and say anything for a reaction to make someone else feel small and make themselves feel big. And it, it drives me crazy because it's just like, I don't know where the, like, not that I don't know where the line ends, but it's like, you don't actually know who's doing what and like, what is the, what's the deal? Like, why are you acting this way? Is it coming from a place of love and concern? Is it come like, it's just trying to figure out like the people's motives most of the time. And a lot of the times it's not people trying to be giving like helpful critique and actually see change. A lot of the time it just feels like an echo chamber of foolishness, but I don't know. I, I tend to see a lot of the girls go through a lot of harassment, name calling, bullying that's unwarranted whether it's Lizzo, whether it's Chloe Bailey, whether it's, uh, I already said Lizzo, uh, who else? Ari Lennox. Like a lot of the times I see a lot of unwarranted behavior and it's, it's strange. And I just want to know, like, are y'all okay? And I know obviously like a lot of the people that would be listening to this probably won't have this issue, but it's just strange when I see people say some really weird and nasty things about people as if they're not going to somehow catch wind of it. And then when they do catch wind of it and they have an emotional response as they would likely if you were to say this shit to their face in person Then people gaslight them about, well, why would you have a reaction? You need to be built stronger than this. It's like, 
why should anyone have to put up with unnecessary, unwarranted attacks? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But that was part of what the video discussed, is, like, early dropping out of the game and all this other stuff. I'm like, are y'all? No. People have way too much expectations of what it is that an artist is supposed to do. They're literally just trying to be heard, make money, go home. That's it. And, and you know, do things that make them feel fulfilled in a lot of cases. There are artists that are just out here trying to get a bag. But again, because of the society that we live in, it is required to get a bag. So it's like, okay, I can't be mad at that. You know, if that's your goal, if that's the type of music you want to make, it might not be for me, but someone else will be motivated by that. You know? But, uh... It was it was just very disheartening to see that part be brought up because I was like, no one should have to endure the things that I see these children and young adults dealing with. I mean, they're not children now, uh, the people I just named, but like in general, I just, it's just strange. Like we just have a lot of expectations of people that just, you would never want someone to have these expectations of you, but you have the world's expectations on them. And I just, I don't get it. It's weird. It's like, y'all really think y'all own these folks. They're people. And I think part of it is like, it's not just in the music industry that this part falls. It happens a lot. Like whether it's sports or, uh, just different professions that people feel like you shouldn't have to get paid for. I mean, even down to like essential workers, it doesn't even matter. Like people really just expect people to be at their disposal when they need them, but then treat them like garbage any other time. It's like the the operations don't happen as far as like how society works. If these people aren't here, if there's no one to work at the grocery store, we don't have a grocery store and then people would be mad about that but it's like but y'all didn't do anything to guarantee that these people would stay whether it's you know fair conditions of how they work whether it's fair pay competitive pay so that we can actually have a living a livable wage like all of those things go into the things I think people just take for granted other people's presence until they're not there no more and then all of a sudden it's like it's a problem but yeah, that 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 just kind of went into another direction, but that part was kind of sad to see because I was like, I kind of expected more. I think from well, I just I think I just be expecting more from people in general. I I want people to think like with their hearts wide open a lot of the time, and that's just not how <laughs> that's not how things work. <laughs> but uh, definitely, so okay, one of the reasons. Because I want to eventually do a series on this, but um, not on this particular, but like it touches on this for sure. But so that's why I watched the video because I was like, you know, I mean, and plus I watched it before I went to sleep. I said, please don't let this make me mad because I felt like it was going to. And it didn't necessarily make me mad. It just prompted me to like write what it is that I thought they got right and what it is I thought they got wrong. I definitely think practice plays a part. But if you're not understanding what it is that you're going for when you practice, if you don't know what the end result is that you're going for when you practice, then you just don't know whether or not the mark has been hit. And I think people don't understand what it is that the girls are practicing. 
and I keep saying the girls because that's just what it was titled. But honestly, it's just people in general that what it is that they're going for. And to be honest, you might never know what an artist is going for because it's not their job to tell you. You put out the music, you see what people, you know, take on it. But it's not really your job to interpret what it is that you were. I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's cool. But I mean, that's just part of art. No one asks. Well, not no one. But when you go to a gallery, you don't necessarily get to find out what it was, the thought process before the end result is on the wall. Like, you just kind of have to leave it up to your own interpretation, like, and wonder. So, one of the things I wrote down, well, I, I kind of mentioned it, was like, you know, just music on the earth. We only got about, I mean, besides what's written, like, as far as, like, sheet music and things go, or just, you know, like, however you would have been able to record music as far as written goes. And then, of course, like, songs that are passed down, that's always you know, something that's recorded history. But uh, yeah, like I was thinking about how there was this one podcast I listened to recently and it was talking about what makes lullabies so special. And I think in a lot of ways, like, because people try to downplay like a lot of how this music is like more on the like, I keep saying like, I think people try to downplay how the music is more soft as far as like sounds and more bare bones a lot of the time as if we're not allowed to make that type of music too. Like, I think it's interesting that no one considers the fact that maybe we just want something to chill, chill to. Like, a lot of the music I go to, I'm trying to calm myself down or ground myself a lot of the times. Because there's already enough rah-rah stuff going on outside. Like, I don't need more of that inside. Now, of course, I love a good turn-up. Um, but that's never really been, like, 100% my personality. Like, I've always loved hype and just, you know, activity and, and stuff. But that's never been, like, me on... I'm never... No one's ever on 10 all the time. People like to have their times where they could just mellow out. But I think one reason why, for me, one of the reasons why I think Janae Aiko is one of my favorite artists is because when I had things that I was really dealing with, like, and just trying to get a better understanding of, she was willing to ask certain questions. And even though she's not always super mellow, like, for the most part, I think her voice is just very calming, as well as... Her music just tends to be, like, really grounding. But some people don't like that. And I'm just like, okay, if you don't like that from her, then go somewhere else. No one is requiring you to listen to one person. If one person doesn't do it for you, you don't have to listen to them. There is worlds upon worlds, especially now with the internet, that you have access to in music you don't even have to be stuck to the same region if you don't like the region of music that's popular on your side you can go somewhere else literally and find a person that makes the kind of music that you like and it's that's just the joy of you know how music is if there's a certain time period that really resonates with you I guarantee you there's someone else trying to make that music that was really 
resonating with you during that time period. Like no time period is set in stone. And I think it's just interesting that people try to make it seem like only one time period should have a highlight in the real of what it is that we have as history. It's not fair. It's not, it's not authentic. It's not real. There's tons of music out there. Like, I would love to hear more steel drum music. I would love to hear more kalimba music. I would like to hear more African music that I would normally hear on, like, a, a, like old school music. I mean, I love what is coming out now, like, as far as, like, Afrobeats and stuff. That's cool. But what, as far as I'm saying is, like, I like the more bare bones type of music that I would hear on, like, I don't know. You you might watch a, a documentary or something to be like, oh, I like that. And you might have only heard it in those settings of like a documentary or whatever. I'm like, I would love to hear more like African jazz music or just, you know, stuff, more instrumental music, but things that were, that have some age on it. It's like, oh, I would love to just do a deep dive one day, finding music that really resonates with me. Because I've always found that to be very interesting regardless of like whatever the movie was or a documentary or whatever like we might be watching a documentary based in Africa and we would hear certain sounds and I'm like I've never heard that before but then I might go to another region of the world and it's like I've heard something similar to this before like you know it's just I want to hear more variety for what the world has to offer because we're only scratching the surface as far as what we know about music if we're keeping it to the 1800s, the 1900s, and the 2000s. There's so much out there that we don't know about. I wanted to clarify that what I was talking about was like, if I'm watching like a National Geographic documentary, like something around the animals or something, and it would be based in Africa, and it's like, okay, you hear the 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 music I don't know what you would call it sometimes it could be a kalimba but I know there's other instruments too of course the drums because duh but like I just love hearing stuff like that and normally the only time I would hear anything like that is if I was watching uh, a documentary that might be based in Africa like and it's been a while since I've watched anything like that but just all the same like that's where I think I got exposed to stuff like that in school watching different videos and stuff like that whether it was PBS or what have you but um yeah just scratching the surface as far as what the sounds that the world has to offer like whoa but um yeah even people that came from settings of like church and even choir and stuff like that it's like okay but they're still gonna have their own spin regardless of whatever it is that you're teaching that's the whole point you're supposed to be interpreting things and then creating your own you know interpretation of it um so whether it's uh like especially when you talk about uh just church in general an artist like jonathan mcreynolds really wouldn't have had a day in you know, the scene maybe 20 something years ago, because a lot of the sounds that were required for church musicians to be taken seriously, uh, required you to have a little bit more, I would say power, but you understand what I'm trying to say. Just a lot more boisterous, uh, 
not so soft-spoken type of sound. Like, I think Neo's soul really did help usher in a lot of the sounds that we get now. Like, because when I first heard Jonathan Jonathan McReynolds, the one of the first people I thought of was um, India Ari or even a Jonathan Butler. But I was like, those sounds were still evolving even when they first came out onto the scene. So I'm like, yeah. Like I'm, I'm grateful to see artists like Jonathan McReynolds because they're like, the, they're the result of having artists get outside of what was expected essentially, in the comfort zone, and really just trying something else. Um, yeah. I mean, because even if we're not just talking neo soul, neo soul's kind of been on the scene since like I guess early '90s with just the change and the shifts in R&B music in general. Um, it came after, you know, disco, New Jack Swing, all of those things uh, that had a role to play in what it is that we, you know, perceive as, like, our our landscape for 90s R&B, you know? But I don't know. I just think it's interesting to be able to see artists thrive that would have been pushed to the wayside. Like, even like a Janet Jackson or um, Sade, artists like that, we love. But they're normally an exception to the rule versus uh, just being allowed to be. I, I would like to see more of that. Like, just having artists being allowed to create what it is that they want to create and then see what happens from there. All right, so I said, we first must ask ourselves, what are we practicing? Who are the influences? What influences the times that are reflected in the music? The sound is a choice. And then we just have to acknowledge that there's a range of sounds that are out there that we might not have been giving a highlight before. And I do appreciate the fact that now with the the range of sounds being more accepted, you you open up more opportunity for people to make things that actually nurture and you have music that not only nurtures their voice and their instrument, but also their style. And I I think I said this already, but I wrote it down, so I'll say it again. Everyone in church is not a monolith. Just because you went to church does not mean that you have the same type of style. First of all, I don't, I grew up in a non-denominational, but it kind of leaned towards Baptist type of church. But, um black church at that because that's super important to say uh but our tastes are all different and depending on what denomination you grew up in your turn up music i mean well not your turn up music but there was just different levels of turn up depending on what denomination it is there would be something that would probably be considered too much in one denomination and then just not enough in another so it's like you everyone had different tastes it was just one congregation does not all have one thing that they are all interested in. 
it everyone's different so it's just like to make it seem like oh well people just aren't doing church anymore i'm like okay that's true and that's a whole other conversation that i'm willing to have at another time but as far as why the children don't sound the way that the people two generations back sounded one generation back sounded it's just what are again what are we aiming for and i know i said earlier that like i know SZA and um and Summer Walker sound exactly how they want to sound. I, I meant to say, well, the way I think that they want to sound. I know SZA and a lot of artists have this issue where it's like they don't feel 100% secure in what it is that they've created. And that's just the scary part of putting your shit out there. You know, even with this podcast, like people can either receive this well or people might not receive it at all which i think is even more scary right like the idea that someone makes something and then not having it heard by anyone that shit would scare you to the core because then it's like bruh no one like i don't and it's like if someone has an opinion of something at least you gave it the time to, to think about it and listen to it you know receive it but to have no one hear your stuff that is terrifying because then it makes you feel like you don't even have a purpose. Like, no one wants to hear me. No one cares. That shit is terrifying. I forget who I heard recently say something like that. I don't remember if it was an old interview or like... But in general, I just think that shit is terrifying. Like, if nobody hears you, it's like the question, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Yeah, it made a sound, but, you know... Nobody heard it though, but it's, the sound was still made. That shit is terrifying. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that shit is terrifying. I mean, it's also the fact that people could also a hundred percent hate it. Which I mean, no one I think would a hundred percent hate anything. Even one of the most disliked videos, I think it still got that record. One of the most disliked songs and videos on YouTube. There's still people that like those things, whether it was Friday by Rebecca Black. Or uh, Baby by Justin Bieber. Because y'all are mean. But regardless, people still liked both of those songs. And um, yeah, and there's just always going to be places where you can find your people. And I think that's amazing that you find people creating communities of the people that they're trying to find. Because they know they're out there. They're just They just need to make a space for them to find each other. That's what I like about uh, Stevie Mackey with the Taco Tuesday. That's why years ago when Taco Tuesday first started going viral, those clips meant the world to me because I said he's doing something I would love to see happen, like creating moments together where we're just all vibing out to these songs that we all know and love. And it's just about the music and it's about how it makes us feel. And it's, that's beautiful. I love that. Like, I remember the first clip off of Taco Tuesday that made me start hunting down more clips. JoJo was performing, um, I forget which song was the first song I saw, but I think the first song I saw clips for was when her and Stevie Mackey was singing Sam Smith's Only One. And... Stevie Mackey started cutting up towards the end and the crowd went crazy. And I said, whoa, what is that? And so then I started looking up the hashtag Taco Tuesday because I was like, yo, what is this? And I saw the clip of um, JoJo singing um, 
because they did like three songs they did weak and that shit was magical because the whole like the whole crowd the way that they each broke it down into their little sections i was like oh y'all all all can really sing though like do you have to sing in order to get an invitation like y'all all sound so good but yeah like seeing that her she did um i know i'm not the only one i don't know if that's the name of the song but y'all know the sam smith song i'm talking about um what's the other one then she did uh she did this other song that i never actually know what it was called but you would normally hear in like the grocery store i don't want to wait but regardless that song i had never heard it that way before and i was like i like this i like this and plus this was during the time where jojo was still um not putting out music yet and so in general i was watching everything that this girl was doing because i was just like yo anything that she puts out i'm here for it but um taco tuesday and just creating your own communities that's what terrell is doing with his youtube channel i love that that's how i was able to get put on to so many different people because i was like oh or even when i would see people that i knew and loved for years that would get acknowledged on that show and it's like oh my gosh like he got them on the show like it would be fun to watch and a lot of people that feel the same way I do about music go to that place to, you know, enjoy each other's company. A couple things I did agree with, I think I mentioned it already, was about the artist development. And in general, like, even if you have the skill down, you might need to still learn some other skills, especially when it comes to maintaining your instrument. There was a clip where um, he had showed Gladys Knight and... They were. T- there was a clip where she said someone told her about how it is that she, in her natural speaking voice, could only hit a certain note, so then never go outside of that in her singing voice. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. I guess that would be like your head voice or your chest voice. Um, but, you know, like, I thought that was really interesting because she said she always stayed in that pocket. I remember someone saying years ago, like, Rihanna stays in her pocket or as far as like her range and so because she stays in her range she sounds really really good and because she's not trying to be somebody else and do what it is that they're supposed to be doing or that they naturally do like you got to know your your what it is that you're capable of and what it is that you shine in and so I was like, yeah, like, I love that about Reed. Like, she does exactly. Like, and the thing is, she can still vocally surprise you. But it's just the fact that, like, she she stays in her range. And that's where she shines in. She's not trying to be somebody else. She's trying to be herself and make the best music that she can make. And I love people that know how to use the instrument because once you know what it is your instrument is capable of then you can play around with that all day you know and I think that's what some people don't like is the fact that they see people thriving in a space where they they might only be able to hit uh, a certain number of notes but they still know how to tell stories with their voice they know how to tell stories whether it's them writing a song you know like all of those things help make a make or break a song. If you don't know how to emote and you just happen to have a really nice voice, you might be able to 
sing, but you don't carry no emotion with that. And that can be hard. Like, and everyone's got different levels. I remember watching um, T.S. Madison talk about how Ariana Grande will never be uh, Mariah Carey. And Mariah Carey cannot be Whitney Houston. Like, there's just levels to what it is that they are capable of doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're all great in their own right. But to make it seem like they all have to be the same and they all have to be able to do the same thing it's preposterous. Like, there's just no way in the world that you're capable. No one is a copy of each other. Like, everyone is different, and that's just, you can't do it. Like, the range is different on each person. The way that they emote is different. The way that their their actual voices, whether they're similar in certain aspects, they all still do different things with their voices. And that's just what makes them them. I did agree with the whole artist development thing. And sometimes it's, even though you don't necessarily see labels putting as much behind artist development, sometimes it's also just cool to see an artist come into their own naturally. Like, that's just part of the journey. And no one gets to say how long it is that someone gets into their bag when it comes to them being comfortable with where it is that they are. Or where it is that they're going. Because then there's also times where it's like your instrument can change. And learning how to adapt is also important. Whether it's because, you know, of health conditions or, you know, anything. Your voice might just change, you know. You get older. You, you know, you might have children. You smoke. Whatever. It's like you drink. Anything. It could just be whatever that contributes to your voice changing. It could be the fact that you didn't know how to sing before and so you put strain on your voice. You know, it could be any number of things that make it so that you might need to adapt. But yeah, artist development, part of that would be like the part that I think would be super helpful is how to maintain the instrument that is your voice. And that don't mean that you like, because everyone has a choice to make, right? But it's like, you can at least know what it is that you're doing to help or hurt the process if you want to maintain the vocal range that you are trying to achieve. Like, I remember, I mean, I, I'm not going to hold no one accountable to this, but I remember, like, certain people saying how they would want to give up smoking to maintain, um, to maintain their voice. And some people might partake in marijuana but they might not smoke it because they want to maintain the voice so then they'll do edibles but like everyone's got different things that they do to help them some people are able to hit high notes and sustain some people need to stretch some people need to lubricate like some people don't need to be drinking lemon or not even some I don't think anyone should drink (laughs) I I don't think anyone is supposed to be drinking lemon right before they sing because uh, as someone said, Callie Calloway, I think, said that, that that be drying out your voice. A Ricola, a Halls, or anything like that dries you out. Like, all of those things you don't need to be doing if you're going to be singing. You know, because that'll put a strain on it. And it'll make it harder to do certain things because you're not lubricated. You need to be lubricated. But you don't need to add nothing into the mix that'll, that'll, that'll mess you up. 
I talked about how I was disappointed about the expectations that they want singers to just basically deal with whatever bullcrap people give to them and then be like, oh, but that's how a professional does. Like, no, that has nothing to do with being professional. And what the hell is professional? We got to re redefine a lot of these things that we have been told over the years that no longer serve us or that never served us and that we just don't need to be upholding. Like, there's a lot of things that just need to be thrown out and and just, yeah, and just find new ways to deal with things because that's just not it. But I also thought was interesting, and this kind of goes into artist development. With artist development, you do get more confidence in what it is that you're doing. But I think this is also just a part of the journey. You can watch people succumb to nerves and not perform as well as they practiced. And that is okay. Like I remember, and some people perform very well, but then they'll shut down as soon as the, like, I remember, I think it was when Sizzle was on SNL and she just killed it. Oh my God. I think she was singing um, Love Galore. I think she was singing Love Galore. And as soon as she finished, I know she was nervous. Like, as soon as she finished, her face kind of just went like, I don't know. It, it. She just had a straight face after that. And I was just like, oh, I didn't know that she had anxiety at that moment. I just knew that she was killing it. And, like, her and the choir behind her, I was like, yo, y'all sound so fucking good. But I didn't realize that she was anxious. And I guess, you know, that's normal. Like, especially if you're not used to performing in big crowds and things and you you know, you're performing in front of people that might not necessarily all be there for you, but because it's the obligation of the show to have a performer, you know, you're there. But I just thought it was so interesting. Like sometimes, even if it's not vocally a strain on your voice that, you know, the, the nerves and things come into play, just the fact that like, there's a lot of things that it could be like a mental roadblock that affects the performance. It's just the fact that, like, everyone is not the same. And to expect everyone to be extroverted and wanting to interact with everybody, it's not fair. It's not real. Everybody ain't like that, you know? There's some people who, there's very little that you know about them for a reason because they really just don't want to be out there like that. Some people want to just be able to make the music, go home, and live their best life like a Bryson Tiller. Like, and then of course, okay, so even if, when I just brought up Bryson, he's one of those artists too that's like, he's learned to, he's learned to be more confident in what it is that he does and stand 10 toes down in his decisions when it comes to music. And I love that for him because now we see like, He's still able to do all the things that he loves because the jokes were always that he was not coming back to music because we saw how happy he was outside of music. But I love the fact that we are able to see him still living his best life, his thriving family, the babies and all that. And just seeing him be like a proud partner and and father and, um, and just being confident in the music. Like he's more confident in his voice now. It's, it's, it's less doubt 
I feel like in what it is that he can do musically. And he, he mentions that a few times in the music as well. But it's just the fact that it's like the mental blockage is real. If you don't believe you can do something, even though you even though we have seen you be able to do it, if your mind is telling you you can't do something, you won't be able to do it in a lot of cases. And that is a real hurdle for a lot of artists. Just seeing people evolve as artists and their performances and the different types of artists that we are getting, the different types of voices, whether it's Khalid, Giveon, uh, Black, uh, I was trying to go, let's see, who else? Um, who else? A Luke James, a Samo. I was trying to figure out all the men first because they're always the hardest ones for me to figure out. Uh, who else? I mean, the voices. Y'all can insert who y'all want to add. Brent Fiaz. Um, I'm not as familiar with Brent Fiaz, but I know that he's very popular. Uh, D- Division. Uh, ooh, one of my newer favorites, uh, Destin Conrad. Uh, who else? I think I'm gonna give up on trying to make a list of the men. I would just have to write it down. Um, I mean, cause those are just like the newer voices I'm talking like, cause then we got, you know, like Usher and genuine tank tyrese uh, drew hill cisco you know the whole the whole gamut jodeci uh all them folks it's just so many d'angelo like i said before all these different ranges of voices and artistries uh that we can talk about but yeah just these newer voices that sometimes will have you have you in like a time warp a little bit depending on like who it is because I first started with like Khalid and Giveon because they are more on the baritone side I guess is what you would call it and we don't really hear that like they I remember when Khalid first came out I was like yo this man is giving me like Chuck Berry uh I don't remember who else I said he sounded like, but like he sounded very old school. Like, whoa, where did this voice come from? And then to find out how old he was, I was like, he's, what was he, 17? I said, that's a baby making, how? But then I also have to remember, like when these people was coming up back in the day, they were also pretty young. Cause that was also a part of what was in this particular video. Like all, like comparing today's 20 year old to, yesteryear's 20 year old which again was also not fair because child we were using clips of scissor at like 26 years old or whatever talking about 20 year old i was like "Ah." but maybe they just meant 20s regardless i was just like "Eh, no but also eh." i did just completely ignore the list of girls but there's just so many girls and just people in general that make such dope-ass music that got fire-ass voices. But those were just the guys in R&B because it's just like, I don't be talking about them too much because for the most part, it be all about the girls for the most part. But um, 
even if so like when I said something about choice earlier even if someone is capable of doing something that doesn't mean that they have to do it so I often bring up Aaliyah's the one I gave my heart to because people made it seem like Aaliyah can't sing mind you people would say stuff like I remember getting in the whole arguments with people about this (laughs) only on Twitter and this was very long ago but I just would be like, y'all really be downplaying the girls that be out here singing just because they be singing soft don't mean they can't sing. Whether it's Sade, Sierra, Janet Jackson, like Aaliyah, how in the world is it that y'all really be coming for their throats like this? Like, why is it that the girls be getting all this animosity? Like, what? We would never tell John B he can't sing just because he had that one song where he was super soft or a Robin thick or anything like that and I know these are white men but that ain't the point the point is I don't get the same kind of energy from people that they be giving these black girls but um I remember the one I gave my heart to was the one song that I've ever heard Aaliyah record that don't sound like any other song in her whole catalog and I was like the first time I heard it I saw the music video and I had to hunt down the like CD copy because I was like yo where is this this ain't even on her album like what is this the way she sings on that song she's not singing in her normal like how we're used to hearing her in her falsetto like the whole time this this woman was just like she was giving it to you. And the thing was, uh, I'm trying to think. This song was very similar. Well, first of all, the person that wrote it, uh, Diane Warren, she wrote, what other songs did she write? She had wrote For You, I Will by Monica. She had wrote Have You Ever by Brandy. They were kind of given like those type of feelings. More so like the Have You Ever. Um, but this particular song was just like, I had never heard Aaliyah sing like this, and I don't think we would ever really hear her sing like that anywhere else in her catalog. But this song was so dynamic, or just so different for her, because she was using more dynamics. Like, she was loud on this song, and we don't normally hear her using her voice like that. Her head voice, I guess is what you would call it. And like head and chest, she was, she was able to show something that she is capable of doing, but chooses not to do because it's a style choice. Like, I love what she was able to give us with more than a woman and one in a million and just all of her songs, really her whole discography. Like she was bringing something new to the table that we wasn't really seeing. And she was very influenced by the Isley brothers and she was giving it to you. Like it was that crooning and it was just, it was just showing like, yeah, she's able to do multiple things, but I choose to do this. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think once people take it, take themselves out of it and see what it is that people are choosing to do. That's why people say like, they admire the choices people make with people's voices. Like the choices are important. And 
I just, I thought it was so interesting to see her go from singing a song, and I think it was off the One in a Million album, singing a song like One in a Million, where she's like, she's still kind of in her head voice, but it's not boisterous. She's not, she's not giving you Broadway theatrics type of situation, you know, like she's giving it to you straight, but on the one I gave my heart to, and that's what I'm saying. You got to listen to the the music. Like, I forget which version it is. It's not the, like, there's a music video for this one too. But you got to listen to the one that's not on the album. You got to listen to the one where she gets to the rain scene and she's belting. Like, the shit is so fire. And it's too, like, you can tell from the very couple, first couple seconds which version you're getting. It's so good. I was like, yo, where, where did this come from? And this was in me first learning about her. And I was just like, yo. I mean, it had been like a little bit since I first saw that video while first learning about her. But I was just like, yo, I can't believe she just gave us that. Like, I think the first time I saw that video, it might have been 2017. Actually, no, that's not true. Because I remember I had it for a ringtone for a long time. It might have been like 2013, 2014. I remember when I finally bought the song, like just the single, how excited I was. Because I was like, oh my God, like, ah. But yeah, I just, that song is amazing but it's showing the capabilities and it's also showing the choices and it's like some people are capable of doing what it is that you're asking them to do but they're not going to do it because they don't want to and that is okay like once you give people agency not once you give people agency once you take yourself out the equation I think that's what I was trying to say earlier once you take yourself out the equation of what it is that you want and you just see what it is that they want to do and what it is that you know, that they're capable of doing. First of all, you learn in a lot of cases that you were wrong for wanting whatever it is that you were wanting because then you can see, like, where it is that they were heading and how you would have held them back had they listened to what it is that you wanted. But, like, oh, my God, like, just so many amazing things. It's the journey for me. I just loved, like, not knowing where it is they were going but just being down for the ride. Like, it's just so much fun that way. But... Yeah, I just love where they take us artistically. It's like, yo, you would have really held... We really really could have held you back if you had listened to us. Like, was wrong for asking for this? Because then they just helped push the needle forward. If you're able to record something in the studio, it is very different than trying to perform something live. Like, to be able to sustain certain things in a performance it might just be a lot more difficult to actually achieve live. So then often you will change your performances to adjust to that because you might not, you might not be in the same, <laughs> the same headspace, you know, to, to perform that, or you might not be capable of doing that. And that's when changing the arrangements are important and, you know, like making it work for you. And then that's part of the beauty is like you get to see a new life in the song. But yeah, like when you see Aaliyah perform the one I gave my heart to live, it is still, it has to be adjusted because 
just because you're able to do something doesn't mean you're able to be sustained in that place. Like you might not be able to live there um, because you're able to do it, but at what cost to you? That's not a really, that's not really a place that you practice to be in. And so that's not really a place that you feel comfortable in. Like if there was some, if that was something you were used to being in, then it would come with more ease. But if you're not used to being up there like that, and if you don't feel like you should be up there that long, then, you know, it just, it just, it's all about, cause people forget, like, this is a muscle. It's so it's like, you can't, you can't be doing too much. You could strain it or you could, you know, damage it. But yeah, like all of those things, I just think are super interesting and just cool when it comes to like the human voice and just like singing in general I'm like wow that's so cool even though Aaliyah performed the one I gave my heart to on record and killed it that's not a song I could see her easily performing because that's not somewhere that she used to live in vocally but um because she normally would sing in, you know, her falsetto. But also she was singing her head voice, but it just wouldn't be boisterous, you know? Like when she performed live, she was singing her head voice and then sometimes give you, you know, the falsetto and all that. Because you can't be in your falsetto the whole time. I mean, you might, but like even her who also sings in her falsetto, and I think that's where I was going with this, was uh, the fact that like to to sing a whole show that way, that could be a problem. Like, even though you recorded all your songs high like that, you do need to adjust because it's like, I can't be sustainable and perform every night while on tour like this. This It's just impossible. Her lives, what do they call it? Melisma? Uh, because JoJo has the same type of thing going. But like, her gives head voice most of her shows and then goes into like the falsetto bits, but there would be no way she could do that the whole show and be sustainable. Like it just, it's not, it, it, I don't see it happening in her favor. If she was to try to do that, I don't, I don't really know. Like, I don't even think Maxwell would do something like that. That just, it wouldn't be sustainable for him to try to sing this woman's worth high like like just I mean well he might sing I've never seen him perform this woman's worth but I just can't imagine if all of his songs were like that to try to sing like that a whole show you would have to make some adjustments I imagine like the only person I really think could do something like that probably is like Nao Nao's voice is but I think the reason it's like that is because Nao's natural speaking voice is like that. She can go low, but her natural speaking voice is higher. So I guess that's why it works for Nao. But like people whose natural speaking voice is kind of in the mid range and on the lower end, that kind of just doesn't make sense for them. Because now I'm thinking, like, Khalid's voice is like that, too. Because even though Khalid, I think, is... I think you would classify Khalid's voice as a baritone. Khalid still does go high. 
But Khalid's voice, when you hear him talk, is very deep. Hmm. That's something to think about for later. Because I wasn't really trying to get into, like, voice classifications or nothing like that. But there's different examples of people who do that. But, yeah, like, just knowing what it is that you're capable of doing live and what it is that you're capable of doing in the studio. And, yes, you are capable of doing both of those things and I think people try to say like some people are just studio singers and there's nothing wrong with that but then there are people that are able to perform live and sound just like the record or even expand on that which is fun to watch but um yeah everybody can't replicate and be sustainable doing what it is that they did on the record and then do it live that's just it's just not Mm-mm. especially if you're talking like as years go by too too many things often change in the body that it's like there's just no way you could have possibly and I kind of talked about this too but I said that we need to do a better job acknowledging that there are different types of singers across the board just because there is a certain type of music that is getting highlighted in the mainstream media currently does not mean that the girls are not out here giving it to you and all in all rounds of music, I think I, I really was saying in all realms of music, I don't care if it's jazz, EDM, folk, pop, opera, Broadway, the girls are giving it to you. It's not just R&B and gospel, but there are tons of girls who are giving it to you the way that they, that they, that people are asking for them to be giving it to them. And people just need to get behind them. And that requires you to do your research and to do your research and then put your support behind them with your resources or get behind them and that way they can get resources to make the kind of music that they want and that the music that you seem to want to enjoy yeah and I mean there's nothing wrong with you wanting what you want but I just I just thought it was interesting that people are making it seem like no one is making the kind of music that they want because that's just not true there's somebody out there for everybody and then I brought up how now this is when I actually use that word I brought up how back in the day when people were getting CDs off of Columbia House sometimes it would be trial and error it's like okay I bought this album for one song I'm hoping I like the album but because it's only a dollar or whatever the deal was for Columbia House it wasn't a whole lot of a risk but nowadays you kind of have that same exposure as far as like you kind of have that same exposure to experimenting with you know different music whether it's because I know people used to love Pandora like Pandora used to put me on as a music but nowadays it's like people use Pandora and other apps too and so you know you just got to do your research and that kind of puts the responsibility on you but at the end of the day if you're not finding what you don't like yeah it is kind of your responsibility to find what it is that you do like because don't nobody got time for bad music and if it ain't serving you then don't it's then it's not serving you you know but being able to go and look up things on youtube use your googles and find things that match up the sounds that it is that you like um and then getting your money up behind that finding out ways to support the artists especially if they're touring 
go and see them, you know? Like, all of those things are super duper important when it comes to artistry and being able to maintain. And then I guess the other thing that kind of blew my mind that is not related necessarily, but Chloe Bailey was on Terrell. Uh, The episode had dropped this week. And, well, by the time you hear it, it's going to be a little bit. But um, she was talking about how one of the things that would surprise you as far as like the music industry goes, is like how much or how little artists really make off of songs. And I was like, okay, I've heard this before, but what does she mean? Like she was talking about how like there could be a, a budget for a producer to be brought in, but because she would have made the song for her and uh, Holly producing and all that, she wouldn't get that compensation. And so basically the label is saving money because she's doing all the work, her and her sister. And I was just like, what? Like, you don't get nothing extra. You don't get no extra points or nothing. She was talking about how they don't get nominated for like producer of the, you know, like how they got the different awards for producers and stuff. They don't get nominated for stuff like that because she's, producing on her own records and so now I kind of see why it is that other artists that do produce be producing on other people's records I was just like what I mean and plus just for the love of it but I was like that is crazy and so she was talking about how the music often isn't what makes you the money it kind of acts as the ad to then get you to other places even though you went into the business for music and making it you have to put on your business hat and like figure out what it is that you can do to make you money outside of that I was like that is crazy so whether it's the brand deals um the touring just the different things you know it could be acting gigs it could be any of those things I'm like that is bizarre and I was just like that is so terrible and super upsetting for me because it's already like singer songwriters already have so much that they are trying to fight for as far as like points and stuff when it comes to the music business and what it is that they're owed and like sharing different things with producers and stuff and then to see that I was like what I just that really just kind of upset me a little bit but uh yeah like you go in for the love of the music and then you have to find other ways that you can sustain yourself outside of that because the music is not actually what's going to pay you. I was like, that is bizarre, but totally understandable. Like everyone's making this money off of you. You're the last one to make the money. And like, even if you do get money on the front end, you owe that shit back because you haven't made the money. I'm like, that is so crazy. But yeah, um, yeah, and I remember, like, getting into Chloe and Hallie. Uh, I mean, well, people was talking about them already, especially when they had came out with that video where they was in the desert and they both had their hair braided together. And I think it was called, like, either Fall or Drop. And uh, But what really got me into, like, them as far as producing goes is when they were doing the the Genius Reconstructed video for um, for Warrior for the what soundtrack was that a wrinkle in time and I was like yo that is so crazy like the vocal production and all that stuff 
I w- to learn that they were in charge of doing all that. I don't know if it was just Chloe or just, ha- I mean, just, yeah, I don't know if it was just Chloe or if it was both of them, but I was just like, that is in, that is incredible. I just was blown away. I'm about to look it up real, real quick. Yeah. Okay. So like they kind of, they definitely collab with each other. They kind of do like, they bounce the ideas off each other. So I guess you could say Holly like co-produced this particular song, but she definitely vocal produced on the song. That's really cool. I just, I remember watching those reconstructed videos and getting like really hype. I love seeing the behind the scenes and just how things work. And at the time, I think I was just getting interested in like how music is just made in general, like modern day music, just how is it made. And I love seeing those reconstructions of like what were samples and then what wasn't and stuff. If we're talking about soft voices, Dion Warwick is definitely in there. And I know she was mentioned, but a lot of people revere her now, but didn't revere her back then. Diana Ross is another one. Like there's so many of those softer voices and people would just say straight up, oh, well, they can't sing. That's not the same thing as not being able to sing. I think people be missing the point. What's hit what hits for you may be hitting for someone else and that's all I'm trying to get across. It's like even though it doesn't resonate with you, it's resonating for someone else because a lot of these so-called non-singers are some of my favorites. It don't mean that I don't like music. <laughs> some of my favorites are also the some very fire ass vocalists. I'm like, just because Whitney Houston is one of my favorite voices, just because Brandy Norwood is one of my favorite voices, CeCe Wine is one of my favorite voices. It's like, y'all not going to be over here. Jasmine Sullivan, like Monica, there's the list goes on. Y'all not going to be over here making it seem like just because I like that kind of music, that that's the only kind of vocalist that I'm allowed to like or that anyone should be allowed to like like we should not be so comfortable to downplay other people's gifts and the thing is even though it might not be resonating for you right now and I think that's interesting too because it's like we've always had this soft music and I think I meant to mention this earlier we've always had this soft music it's more so over the past you know like I don't know. I, I would say since really like once getting into like jazz and rock and things like that, where we got a little bit more boisterous because gospel was always going to be boisterous anyway. But like we got, I mean, cause that's where the boisterousness came from for like jazz and, and, and rock really. But like, I just think it's interesting that we're acting like we're going backwards in a negative sense. Like we might be going backwards in a positive sense and not even backwards. We're where we always have been. Like having this softer music is something we've always had. When we think of a person like Billie Holiday. Ooh, and when I think of voices, when I was talking about Khalid and Giveon, that made me think of um, Baby Rose because, oh my God. But, um, yeah, like, 
voices like that remind us of where we came from. I'm like, where did y'all get these voices from? But like, we've always had this softer type of music. Um, Dina Washington, you know, like this is, and I might've just said her name wrong. I don't know if it's Dina or Dinah, but voices like that were, it was softer. It was sweet. It was tender, you know, and there's nothing wrong with having music that is embodying that. And I I mean, like in the same way that I say, I don't, I'm not really here to argue about certain things. I'm also not going to downplay like the importance of what it is that the music that we have right now is doing. But things like that always remind me as to why it is that I wanted to do this podcast, because part of it is just putting in the the validness especially when it's people in your own community because I'm over here trying to uplift the black music that's being made right now and it's people that are black that are also talking down the music and I'm just like and it ain't just older people but you often will hear things that older people say and then repeat those things and I'm just like, but that, but would you question whether or not that's true or not? Just because they said it don't mean it's true. And it's always okay to think for yourself. And if you still agree with that, then by all means. But I don't agree with that. And I'm just like, eh. But, uh, yeah. I just, I just think it's very interesting. But that, just stuff like that, it just solidifies why it is that I think it's super important to do show like this where we're appreciating in real time where we're putting in solid uh arguments putting our stake in the ground you're not even arguing we're just simply stating the fact we belong to be here just like everyone else has belonged to be here you know and what we're doing is valid period i ended up talking for a little while uh, longer than expected for my wrap up. And so I decided to just make that another episode that you could just listen right after. But as far as today goes, I did want to finish it up with something that made me happy this week or just something I wanted to highlight. And this particular week, I found myself talking towards the middle of the episode about Terrell. So I decided to put that in towards the end of the episode to just highlight uh Terrell's channel on YouTube I really appreciate the work that he does and so I want you to get into it I'm gonna put his link in the show notes and yeah just get into the channel there's bound to be somebody on that channel that you're gonna like just watch Terrell's whole channel honestly like in general you're gonna hear this multiple times but Terrell is a just in general as a person is a gem but also just the things that he has been able to accomplish with this show has just been amazing. The worlds that he has opened up for people and the, just the, it's just been inspiring overall. The things that he's been able to do pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, well, not post, we're not post, but pre-pandemic, uh, what do you call it? Just in the pandemic we just been in the pandemic verse uh but yeah like all of those things have been super inspiring to see him do and accomplish and the doors that he's opening up and the 
just the, 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 I just think of how inspiring he's been to so many people. And the fact that you're also representing a people that don't normally get represented, whether, I mean, and that's in all the intersections. And I'm just like, wow, like just support. It's just amazing to see. Cause I know he's just got so much more that he wants to do and it's only the beginning. And I'm just like, wow. Like, and if you possibly can even help monetarily support, like I've been a proud uh, supporter since he's first opened up his membership. Uh, I don't know what year that was, 2017 or 18, when he first opened that up. I've been a proud member since. And I'm just like, wow, like it, whatever he wants, I want him to get. You know, as long as it's for him, I want him to be able to get it and I want him to win. But Terrell's channel has been a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of insight, a wealth of um, inspiration, encouragement, like all of those things he has been able to accomplish on his channel. And just him being himself, that is super duper important because there are tons of people out there that will see themselves in Terrell and be inspired to also be themselves and and that's i really think that's the biggest thing it's like just encouraging people to feel like they can live authentically themselves you know not having to put on for anybody that's super important 